Kia ora and welcome to the Female Career Podcast. My name's Anna Johnston and I work as a leadership and career coach for women. I'm looking forward to sharing with you an inspiring collection of career stories of a diverse range of women of Aotearoa New Zealand. I hope that by listening to these stories, you'll feel inspired in your own career. If you do enjoy the story, please head along to our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we have lots more stories of wonderful Kiwi women and their careers. We'd also love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you have all the episodes at your fingertips. And please do tell your friends and family about it too. For now, though, I hope you enjoy listening to this career story. I'm really looking forward today to speaking with Jessie Chan and hearing more about her career. Jessie owns and runs a dairy business with over a thousand cows. Over her career, she's also worked in a range of roles related to agricultural policy and sustainable farming for the likes of Meat and Wool New Zealand and Environment Canterbury. She was the recipient of the 2017 Fonterra Dairy Woman of the Year Award and is also a member of New Zealand Asian Leaders. In recent years, she's grown her career into governance and currently sits on a number of boards, including Naitahu Farming and Alpine Energy. And she's also chair of Rural Co and will be the first ever woman to take on their chair role. So I can't wait to hear more about Jessie's career. Kia ora, Jessie, and thank you very much for joining me today. Kia ora, thank you for having me. Lovely. So the first question which I like to ask people as part of this series is actually to take them a little while back, way back and thinking back to when you were a kid or maybe a teenager, what were some of your career aspirations at, at that stage? Well, when I was a little kid, I actually really wanted to be a teacher, so much so that I used to role play and set up this little school because I had three siblings and my three siblings would come along and I'd try, <laughs> I'd try and teach them and take the teacher role. So that was what I started out wanting to be. And as I got older in terms of my teenage years and as a young adult, I decided I loved science with a passion. I loved discovery. I loved biology. So I wanted to be a scientist for, for quite a while. And I did all the sciences at school and at university. Um, I did a science degree. So, yeah, it evolved over time. And there were other thoughts in between, obviously, as there always will be. But that science really did sort of entice me. And it did stick in terms of me going through university with it and and using it throughout my career, yeah. Mm, and it's interesting because there's still a, a lot of girls don't necessarily gravitate towards science, sort of technology um, careers. What was it about science that mm. appealed to you? I think the sense of discovery, the sense of wonder, in particular with biology. So I did do physics. In fact, I think I was the only female in my seventh form physics class it wasn't, you know, that sexy or trendy back then, but amazing. Even physics was quite interesting to me. But biology in particular, I really enjoyed that natural world, that discovery of the natural world, understanding, you know, how the physiology of our bodies and of animals' bodies and things, which is why I, d I did animal science at university. And originally I wanted to do a PhD and um, specialise in something. But again, as part of my career, you sort of learn as you go, I did my three-year bachelor's degree. I did a year of honours, which would have led me to my PhD. And then I stopped and went, actually, I've done four years of study. I don't know if I want to commit to another five in a really, really, really specialist field. And I've decided to go and work and still, you know, and, and take some time out. And that was the start of my, I guess, working career. And yeah, it's all part of the journey in terms of figuring out where you want to go with things. It's never set in stone. <laughs> mm, absolutely. I think most people find their careers follow all sorts of a variety of paths. You said you, you studied animal science. So then talk me through the, and then you went on to say, okay, let's, let's, I guess, apply some of that or let's go out into the working world rather than 
because I can get five-year commitment of a PhD. Mm. Tell me about the first few years of your career. What were some of the highlights and challenges? Sure. Well, well, while I was, so I left, I'll go back and because it's relevant. I, I left home at 16 and I was determined to finish school and finish and go to university because that's what I'd been taught as from a very young age from my father who raised four of us. He, 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 was, he was a simple man, but he was, high, he was intelligent and he taught us that education was really important. So when I left home at a young age and I was supporting myself, wanted to finish school, wanted to finish university, when I was 17, my first year of uni, uh, before university, for a year, I worked in a lab at Fonterra Research Institute. Um, which was then called the Dairy Research Institute, I think. But that taught me a lot of basic skills and it got me even more excited about science and um, I loved being in the lab and I learned a lot about people and the dynamics of that as well. So that was actually my first ever job and I was still, and that helped me work my way through university. I had a couple of other jobs as well. So, you know, it didn't come easy and I was really fortunate to get a couple of scholarships as well. So, yeah, it was a, <laughs> it was a tough four years getting through university and sort of supporting myself and all that stuff. But while I worked in the lab, it gave me a really good science basis. And what did I learn there? Not just about science, but about people dynamics as well. I observed a lot in the science world about, I don't know, how people work together and how they jostle for position. And we went through a restructure and there was unrest. And um, also observing what what drove people, because some of the scientists I worked with were really passionate and they the, the importance of them having a vision for what they're trying to achieve and how that motivates them in their work. You know, being a lab technician, I wasn't as, I was motivated by that, but obviously it's interesting to watch senior people and what motivates them and their guidance of you as a junior person, if that makes sense. So my first what, yeah, real full-time job outside of after the lab stuff was at uh, Math Biosecurity. So it was an office-based job, but it was called what was I called? A technical advisor. So again, they were interested in my science skills in terms of helping to write up. We did imports and exports of live animals. We did all the export certificates and import health standards and things. So you sort of had to have a bit of an understanding of animal diseases, production animal systems to be able to help write up these, you know, so if we were exporting cattle or we had things like chicks and ostriches back then. Live animals, we had to understand what diseases were involved. And obviously there was a big vet team. I wasn't a vet, but there was a big vet team involved that I worked with. So again, what did I work and learn around that? I mean, I wasn't really, I had a good boss who just let me get on with it, which was really helpful. And that I had great colleagues in terms of them being very experienced. They were good role models and mentors, those vets around me that taught me not only some of the softer stuff, but also, you know, they had good technical skills so I could un- learn more about animal production, animal disease, those um, biosecurity components. But the challenges of that, it was interesting. Again, that whole, what does it feel like working in a corporate hierarchy, you know, and even more so in a government department which has a corporate hierarchy, which is unique in itself. So you sort of... You adjust to that and you start to observe how people behave in those environments, if that makes sense. It does. And you're right, the working world, whether it is public sector or private sector, is a whole lot different from school and uni. And that, you know, you're right alongside the science and that and the kind of the practical work that sits within the, the, the people dynamics and the hierarchies. 
I'm learning about mm. that. I thought you're right, a big part of, of, of an early career. And where did you go from there and how did that end up then into actually farming yourself? (laughs) Yeah, so it was quite a long journey and I spent a few years at a lot of different jobs. So I think I went to work at an animal health company after that and I got restless after a few years and then I went to work at Federated Farmers in Policy and I think a year into that I ended up managing a team um, of policy advisors which we're mostly lawyers, which has challenges in itself, but um, <laughs> lawyers are quite strong opinions quite often. So, no, that was good experience, my first experience in managing a team, a team of policy advisors. Again, spent a few years at that, and that's when I shifted to beef and lamb, meat and wool New Zealand, as it was called then, and managed what do you call it, R&D, research and development portfolio. So I was managing money rather than people in terms of that being spent on different R&D programs. But at that point, and I, and all through that period, I was sort of had in the back of my mind, you know, I'm in my 20s, I haven't really stayed in more than a few years somewhere, and, you know, people used to observe it. And at that time, it, it seemed like a, like a weakness. I was worried that it didn't look good on my CV, that I'd only stayed a few years. But now doing what I do now, I look back, and it actually, it helped prepare me for what I'm doing in my governance roles in terms of having discipline in a range of areas, having experienced a range of different organisations, whether it be government, NGO, corporate. So that whole industry good, I've been across that whole gambit, which gave me some really good insight into the the ways different organisations run and what their different drivers are. So you probably, you know, there's probably a lot of young people out there nowadays, and I think it's more normal than it might have been back in my day that spend a few years somewhere and sort of mull over whether they should be staying 10 years, you know. But I don't think that's as common anymore. I think it's fairly fairly commonplace to find your feet in a range of different disciplines in your in your 20s, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So it turned out to be helpful, even though I was worried about it at the time. So then I met, then I met Hayden through Young Farmers, and we decided to take a share milking job together. So I was in Wellington, and we... we, 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 we came down to Canterbury to run a farm for a, for a guy who owned a, a farm down here. And we we did what was called lower order shear milking for a while, which means we didn't own the cows, but we owned tractors and we employed the staff. And that introduced me to the business world in terms of actually running a business because it was our own business. Mm-hmm. And then after a few years of doing that and building up our, our equity, we, um, we, bought, we bought the cows. We bought 800 cows and that was quite an investment. And then we grew that business to 1,700 cows and then we leased the farm. So, again, the business was growing. It was becoming more complex and more, basically, we employed more staff. And right to this day, we still lease the farm. We don't have as many cows, but we we run the farming business. And and I've learned a massive amount through that Mm. 10 years, 11 years. Of, of running as what you might call an SME, well, you would call, you know. I think people forget that farming businesses are just like any other SME in terms of having to understand your business drivers and have really good business acumen around that. And that was my role in the, in the farming was to run the business, understand the accounts, understand the drivers of profitability. I joke when people ask me what do I do in the business, I say, well, I'm the HR manager, the compliance manager, the accounts manager the records minute, you know, but it's not really a joke because it's pretty much what you do when you're you're running a farm business. And my husband was a really good farmer, which is sometimes different to the business side of it. Well, the the interlink 
but you know you you work to your strengths and that was my that is my strength in this this farming partnership so we've been running that business for a while and while meanwhile I was working I get still working full-time in Dairy NZ and then Environment Canterbury and I think after being in Canterbury for a few years I sort of that's where I just sort of made the transition into having run this business made the transition into thinking about governance and governing businesses rather than you know working nine to five in an office and I was involved in Federated Farmers as a farmer representative and that you know that opened up some my mind <laughs> for a start in terms of what how could I apply my skills and I did a governance program with Fonterra which was a year-long quite intensive program I then joined my first I'm just trying to think my first com- sort of commercial board position aside from Federated Farmers I was on the local Mid-Canterbury board which is more of an NGO but my first commercial one would have been Royal Co and that was I've been there seven years now with Royal Co of which I've just become the chair so yeah and that sort of grew from there in terms of my governance career I guess you'd call it. Mm, and and it is. Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you can just see how that's kind of we. And I always like hearing about people's careers, as you say. Sometimes that moving around early on, and then actually, or trying out different things, and then actually how some of those threads start to come together over time as your career builds. And for me, it's it's just lovely to hear that journey through. If I go back to to farming, you know, obviously it's sort of the the backbone and the heart of agriculture is the backbone and the heart of New Zealand. At the same time, it still is reasonably male dominated. You know, what how how did you find it as a, or how do you find it as a as a woman in in farming? Yeah, and I do get asked that a lot, and it's interesting having been in in the ag sector within it actively. I don't think it's as male dominated as people think from the outside. So one thing that every nearly every single farm has is a partnership between either husband and wife or you know partner team. Even the older generation I found, because I worked with a lot of the older generation when I first, even when I was in Wellington as a policy person, I worked with farmers from across the country. And they absolutely recognized and understood the role of their wife or partner in their business, you know, and that's always been the case. There have always been women in air going right back to, you know when farming started it just hasn't always been obvious you know and sort of recognized it more nowadays in that they they have a massive role in helping to run the business I mean in the earlier years you sort of would have talked about the wife cooking for the shearers or whatever you know like but now pretty much everyone my age for example who's in a dairy business who's the wife has some involvement in the accounts or the HR or, or what have you you know so I think firstly most good Farms have a partnership and the, and the husband or the, the man recognises that the wife plays an important role and vice versa. And so I would have, I've said it before, I think at least half half of the egg sector are women for that, for that reason alone. And the fact that they're really good, like on farm, for example, if I look at our farm team, our best stock people are women. They're very intuitive with working with stock and um, understanding animal behaviour and having that affinity for, for example, for cows who carve, you know, you get it, you're a woman, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. They're having babies every year, you know, the cows, I mean. But so we found women on farm, and, and again, it's not, farming isn't a test of strength like it used to be. We have a technology and equipment now that means when you're farming, it's not about how strong you are, it's about how smart you are, and you're farming smarter, 
not stronger. You're not you're working you're working smarter, not harder. So we've got, for example, on farm we've got technology which every cow has an ID. It has a collar around its neck which is like a Fitbit for a cow. So it tells us when she's eating, when she's standing up, when she's lying down, when she's um, cycling, you know, ready to be mated, for example, and tells us we know from her in the shed how much she ate that day, how much she produced that day, every single cow. So, you know, the people in the business aren't necessarily, they're actually having to understand data and they're having to understand what that data means in relation to, a phys- you know, the physiology of an animal. And so it's not oh, who can lift bales of hay and stuff, you know. So, again, women in farming is just as um, common as men in farming now because in our team are half women, yeah, you know, because they're just as capable in terms of it not being a a physical endeavour anymore. And actually the technology we have requires, so, for example, all the women on farm here have agricultural degrees. It requires um, some level of intellect as well as as um, practical skills, if that makes sense. So hopefully I've answered your question, but I, I haven't come across a lot of it. Every now and then you get someone who rings and goes, can I speak to Hayden or can I speak, you know, asks for the man? And I, I, I just say, well, can I help you? So I don't really let it get under my skin and it's not as common as it used to be. And that was, a, honestly, it's a good perspective challenge for me as well, I think, in terms of hearing you talking <laughs> about it, because that is probably the, the mindset that I'd come at, but you're absolutely right that actually the way, particularly the role that technology has played in farming, actually means that it's a completely different skill set almost that's needed, completely different, but it's there's, there's different skills now that are needed than maybe 50, 100 years ago. Mm. And that I really like the way you talked about their role of the partnership and actually each person playing to their strengths somewhere in there to to run the farm, to, to run the business, which ultimately it is, just as you say, and, you know, an SME. Um, mm. What was it then, you know, you decided to make that shift into governance and what what was it that, that kind of prompted you to think, yes, so that's, that's something I'd like to step into in my career? I really like the feeling of making a difference and, you know, I've done the hard yards in terms of getting my hands dirty and, you know, I, I, my first ever job was in a fish and chip shop when I was 14 and, as I say, worked in the lab for a long time. So it's not that I'm, I wanted to sit at a desk and tell people what to do, but I, I sort of observed early on that to make a difference, you've got to be making decisions and owning it. And the one thing I find as a governance is I find it very rewarding. I get to see the fruits of my labour, albeit very long-term, so you do have to be a long-term thinker. Nothing happens overnight. But you, you strategy, you know, you're talking strategy. You're talking what does the next five, ten, fifty years look like? What are we going to do with this business? To where we want this business to go, and how are we going to get it there over that term? You know, but it, it is very rewarding feeling like um, you know, you can make a difference. Utilizing those skills that I talked about that I've you know built up over the past twenty years, which are varied and interesting, and you know, bringing those skills together across. A range of businesses taking ownership that's something that I was taught as a child and something I always take have always taken really seriously but that's there's nothing like being in governance to really make you step up have responsibility take ownership because it's it's on you it, as a director I can't point the finger at anyone else I I'm responsible for the decisions that I make around a board table and I actually really enjoy that from a day-to-day point of view flexibilities um been really good as well but that's not that's not why I do it but it's it's a bonus and once you start the other thing I find and farmers will relate to this 
is that when you, well, and any other people who run businesses, when you once you've run your own business, it's really hard to go back to working in an environment that I described, like, for example, my first job, mm. um, being constrained by the hierarchy around you, by the politics and the, poli- you know, yeah, if that makes sense. There's a certain sense of getting stuff done that I really enjoy about running a business, if that makes sense. Mm, it does. I mean, I've I've run my own business for the past six years and I'm not sure I could ever go back to the corporate world and yeah. take the, the freedom and the control. But as you say, also that whether it's governance or running your own business, that sense of responsibility that, that the buck does stop with you is is quite a quite a motivating feeling, actually. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, no no career tends to be kind of full smooth sailing and you've talked about some of the learnings, I guess, along the way. What have been some of your your toughest career challenges? Well, I'll probably use a specific example to highlight that because I haven't sort of, it's not like I looked at one job and went, oh, that was really awful, that was my hardest job I ever did. But there'd be two things and I'll take it. One of them is actually a moment in time. So I was working for an organisation and one of my colleagues committed suicide. I wasn't super close to that colleague, but because I've had a history of mental health in my family and and, and suicide and things in my extended family and and that kind of thing, it, it hit me pretty hard. And I remember at the time we were trying to get some stuff done. We were really under the pump to get some work done. And my two male senior managers were having a, meeting with me and I'm not a crier there's not very many people that have seen me cry not because I don't but just you know some people sort of have that that on their sleeve and some don't it's you know but I I remember them putting the squeeze on me really really hard we had to get this done and they were almost getting angry and loud and stuff and I started crying and they just did not get it they did not compute that someone in this organization has just committed suicide should we still take stock and ask if she's all right or if everybody's all right? You know, instead they were so focused on, and it wasn't even, when I look back, it wasn't even that important what we were doing. We just, you know, it's really easy to think it's super important. We need to get this job done, you know, and why aren't you doing it? And, you know, put the squeeze on me as managers. Mm-hmm. That They reduced me to tears and had absolutely no idea why I was crying. I thought I was crying about the job. But that, that's really specific. But the reason I mention that is because those are some of the toughest times, I think, in your work environment when people around you just, and that's one of my big learnings, is that actually we're all people and we all have our own why, we all have our own life experience and we all have our own way we, you know, specific things that affect us. And that's one thing I'm really conscious of these days, whether it be around a board table, working with staff, working with colleagues, you know, that kind of thing, is that people's life experiences are all different and we've got to be conscious. And we talk about this well-being buzz a lot when we talk about health, safety and well-being, and that's really, mm-hmm. you know, really popular at, the, at this stage in time, especially after coming through COVID-19, for example. We talk about well-being. What does that mean? Well, to me, that means actually taking, sitting, uh, you know, stopping and breathing and thinking, Everybody's an individual. What are what are their individual needs? What is it in their work environment that is either helping or hindering them in terms of of their state of mind? You know, and and just just taking the time to understand people because then you have more effective relationships. You get better work done. You make better decisions. That that kind of thing. So that's really one specific example, but it resonates with me. It really sits in my mind because I just was 
dumbfounded at how oblivious they were to the fact that I could have been affected by something else, a lot aside from the fact they were yelling at me because something wasn't done. The other biggest challenge would have been in our farming business when the milk price was $3.90. I think that was, um, yeah, that was <laughs> hugely challenging. And again, you learn from, you learn about risk, you mm. learn about risk appetite, you learn about what you can do to mitigate risks. Uh, well, the COVID-19 is a classic example of a, of a risk that not many, no one, hardly anybody saw coming, right? So, yeah, that was another challenging part of, in my career is actually running our own farming business through quite a severe downturn and what did we learn from that and how did we cope with it and all those things, yeah. Flip it around then, Jessie. What, what are some of your proudest career moments? Well, being Dairy Woman of the Year was pretty, pretty cool in the sense that it gave... And it, at first, I've never been one to sort of to like to be declared as a woman doing something. Do you know what I mean? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a person doing some stuff and I have a set of skills and, and that's how I was, have always, I was raised, I guess, and have grown up viewing the world that way. But having said that, it was nice to be seen as a role model for other, other women and not just women but other people in the farming sector and to be recognised for my efforts, I guess, that was kind of cool, and to be able to help others. So out of that, I was invited to speak a lot (laughs) Mm. and tell people about my journey. And at first it was quite daunting because my journey, obviously everybody's journey is really personal to them, and I thought, well, there's no point in me getting up and talking about my journey if I'm not going to be, you know, not going to be sincere and meaningful with it in terms of actually telling my full journey and that was a big step for me to start with because my journey is long and difficult and quite personal so yeah that was a big deal I did heaps of speaking engagement around that and that really I grew out of that in terms of learning how to communicate my journey and what that how I can use it to maybe motivate help motivate other people and yeah so that was a good career moment and becoming chair of rural co just recently again it's about reflecting on the journey, reflecting on uh, what I can hopefully contribute going forward and what it's, you know, just getting to that point, I guess, and leading a team to, to success. Now I'm really excited about. Not, well, they're already successful, but, you know, helping continue that success and grow and, and evolve. Yeah. And, you know, the other big proud moment, because my dad who raised all four of us kids the best, the best buzz I get is when he rings me all excited. I saw you in the paper, and there was this cool write-up. You know, not that I don't like actually being in the paper, but I like it that my dad likes it. If that makes sense, mm. it fills him with a sense of pride and a sense of achievement that is that if kids have come so far, and that, mm. that's got a really positive um, feeling about it. Mm, absolutely. I th- as you say, even whether it's leading a board and you're hoping it to continue that success, but for, for your dad and raising, you know, you as kids, actually yeah. that sort of sense of, oh, job well done. You know, look at, look at, that's my, yeah. my daughter and, you know, look, look what she's doing, that sense of pride. Yeah, magical. And where do you see your career heading in the future? Yeah, good question. So gaining more governance skills to apply to other businesses. Obviously, currently I'm at capacity. I've got two young children. I've got a number of board positions. So uh, it's about concentrating on what I'm, you know, focusing on what I'm doing and doing it well. But in future, you know, yeah, applying my skills that I've built up over to other other businesses potentially. And, you know, it's always that old school saying, you're continually learning. So you know, in 10 years' time, I'll look back and go, wow, how much have I learned in the last 10 years, you know? So, 
you, you, you're continually applying that to, to help other businesses be successful. But, yeah, spending some time with my kids and um, doing what I'm doing currently, doing it well uh, is my focus at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds um, busy enough as it is, having three kids myself. I know <laughs> that, uh, that that kids, get, they take up a lot of time and uh, and then obviously, you know, running the, the your farming business alongside the governance role. So it's, yeah, that's a lot on. Just a last question. Have you got any career advice for, for other women? Mm, good question. I think firstly, don't be too set in your ways. As you've probably heard from my story, it's, you know, it's had some twists and turns and think places I didn't expect to go and, so, you know, you always it's good to have goals and you want to achieve your goals, but also, need you know, you also need to be agile around that in terms of if an opportunity comes up, don't just cut it off because you're like, well, that doesn't help me achieve the set goal that I had. You know, the path that you thought you were going to go on might well, inevitably almost always not be the path that you end up on, and that's what I've discovered over the last 30 years in terms of where I've, where I've ended, you know. It could be a lost opportunity if you if you don't accept that you can move with what comes your way. But also being selective and deliberate about what you choose to put your time into. So you you know one thing you learn as you get older is not to say yes to everything. And you know when someone asks me, would you be interested in this? I look at it and go, well, does it align with my values? Is it something I think I can contribute my skills to to add some value? You know. How does that align with the other things I'm doing? So, yeah, don't, don't be too set in your ways, I'd say. Sometimes learn to roll with the punches, but also learn to say no when you need to. Mm. Yeah. Super advice. Wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> Jessica, it's been such a pleasure to hear from me about your journey. And what I think what struck me about it the most was just this continual sense of learning that you've taken through, you know, in the early stages of that kind of curiosity into science, but just that kind of continual mm. sense of learning and, and improving and progressing as you go on. So thank you very much mm. for, for taking the time to share it. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're welcome. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Female Career Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspiring stories of women of Aotearoa and their careers, subscribe to the Female Career Podcast via Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you like to listen so that you never miss a story. You can also take a look at our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we feature the stories. And if you subscribe to our mailing list, you can have career advice and inspiration delivered directly to your inbox. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to you joining us again soon.